All right, please turn in your Bibles this evening to the 11th Psalm. The 11th Psalm. I'll give you a title for the message being a verse in this Psalm. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let's read this short psalm as we get started. David writes, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. My mom used to take a couple of my friends and I over to the North Shore Theater when we were kids. We were about 10 years old. It doesn't exist anymore. It's some kind of huge copy shop or something. And But anyway, uh, we actually liked it better when when my friend's mom took us because she was a little more laid back. When my mom took us to the theater, she pulled right up as close as she could to the door. She sat there while we got our tickets. We're 10 years old, you understand. And then, and then we go through the door and it's glass. She can see. And she watches until we walk into that theater and then she leaves. So we always tried to get my friend's mom to take us because she would take us early. And drop us off. And Grady, David, and I, we would, we would go around behind the, the building. We would go hang out a while. We wouldn't be doing anything bad. We just thought it was cool and we were free. And we could just go hang out there before the movie began. Well, I, I recall this as if it were yesterday. That there were the three of us back there. We're about 10 years old. And there were three fellas headed our way. And they looked like they might have been about 16 years old. And they start heading our way. And then all of a sudden we hear, you better run. And man, Grady and David took off. And I was faster than both of them. But I hesitated and I kind of choked and I froze. And they took off. So I'm standing there. And I know I can't catch them. See, I know I don't have to be faster than these guys, but I've got to be faster than my friends. And there are, they already have too much of a head start 
So, I, I mean, I didn't do anything. I just kind of walked along, and I hear, you better run again. And then I hear a lot, a lot of other choice words as they gather on me. And I'm terrified, but I'm just walking. And they caught up with me. And aside from a few words said to me, nothing happened. And my friends are so far out of the way that they didn't see anything going on. So I got to play the cool card when I got to them. What happened? What happened? What do you think happened? Nothing happened. Why didn't you run? I wasn't going to run. They, they didn't do anything to me. I played the cool card there. It, it, that's not the truth whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I'd like to say that maybe I didn't run because my dad told me it's not, you, don't run. Don't, don't run from things. It's not good to run. I would like to say I did that, but, and, and it's pretty good advice not to run. You know, but, but in thinking about that, um, I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't looked into it, but I heard that, that the ancient armor of, of the soldiers, that there was nothing covering the back. I don't know what sect of, or group this is from, but, and I didn't look it up. You can look it up if you want. But I heard they were covered all over, but nothing was covering the back. And that, the reason being... That they weren't supposed to run. They were supposed to face their enemy. You know, there's a time. There's a time we need to stand. There's a time to flee. Let's just kind of talk about this a minute before we get into this. Because, I mean, there's a time to flee because David fled from Saul. You know, something great came about as a result of that. Because David was in a place of standing over Saul. And he could have taken his life. When Saul was trying to take his life the whole time. And he didn't do it. And David was exalted. And, 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 but there was a time he fled from Saul. Paul had to flee from Thessalonica before he had peace with them being established. It was because of persecution. And, and Paul was ready and willing to give his life for the Lord, but the Lord wasn't finished with him yet. So it was a time for him to flee. You know, Jesus fled to the mountains after feeding the 5,000 men plus because they wanted to make him king, and that's not what he came to do. So it was a time that even he fled. A time to, to flee. You know, the older I get, the more I flee some situations. I have tried to become less confrontational. Not, not that I've tried to. I've just wanted to become less confrontational, especially with unnecessary things. There are things that need to be stood up for, and there are things that need to be addressed. But a lot of things that happen amount to nothingness, and they just go away. And, and so a stand doesn't need to be made. And... And I, I, I like that. I like learning that. In all that I've learned from my senior pastor over the years, there is a simple statement that doesn't even sound very spiritual that I have gained so much from. Here it is. And I know you know it. 
A dog can whoop a skunk any day, but the fight ain't worth the stink. Yes, I said ain't. The fight ain't worth the stink. You know, uh, maybe, maybe that's been said eight or nine times in ten years. I don't know. I'm glad for every time it comes up. I like to hear it. The first couple of times, I simply thought it was something humorous. I thought it was something funny. I wrote it down, and I just thought it would be a, a funny little something to put into a message when I preach somewhere else and, you know, can claim it as mine, you know. Um, but after, you know, having situations in life, And that statement coming up, that has been a powerful help for you and I. I. It's a powerful help for me anyway. It's been amazing how powerful this simple saying is. You know, a dog can whoop that skunk anytime, but 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 the stink... Why, if you can avoid the stink, any dog can just whoop that skunk, but avoiding the stink, wisely avoiding the stink of a situation. Uh, you know, there's a, time to, there's a time to flee a situation, and it's totally unnecessary. But there's a time not to flee as well. Because David fled from Saul, okay, but he didn't flee before Goliath but rather took him out. Paul may have fled uh, Thessalonica due to persecution, but God had more work for Paul to do. And he was stoned in Lystra and uh, near death, and he went back to Lystra, taking the gospel message where that happened to him. Jesus fled to the mountain after feeding the 5,000 plus. But he didn't flee the cross. He faced the cross and he went to that cruel old cross for you and I and gave his life for our sins. And here in this psalm, some have claimed to know the exact timeline and I will differ with them on what's going on here. I I will tell you that we don't know the exact timeline and the exact event that is going on here, but we see that a recommendation has obviously been made to David. Look in the first two verses with me again. He says, and the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. David has a recommendation to flee. To flee to the mountain. To flee from the enemy. To flee from the danger that is coming. And David has a reply to this. And David's reply is no. No, he's not going to do it. You know, there are times where not to turn away. And we are to take a stand. We are not to wait And be led by this world. David is told to run to his refuge. And this is 
This is David being cool here. He's basically saying, run to my refuge. I have my refuge with me. I don't leave home without my refuge. In the Lord put I my strength. The Lord is my refuge, he's saying. In tough times, we need to remember that our Father is the Lord God Almighty. And He is trustworthy. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be hurt. There's not going to be pain. There's not going to be some suffering in our lives. But He is our refuge. Not the hills. He's our refuge. And we can stand in Him. After turning down the recommendation, David not only says no, but David asks a question. And it might be a question similar to what people are thinking today as they are facing the, the, these modern, very current things that we are going through. And we find in verse 3 this question from David. If the foundations be moved, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a good question. That question begins with if. And don't you know we all have had our share of our if questions in life? If the money runs out, what will I do? If, if I don't have a job anymore, what are we going to do? If the test comes back positive, what happens then? And the if questions are in life. And we have them, and we make them, and they can cause a lot of doubt and fear for everyone. And they can be like a poisonous, fiery dart in the way that they affect us. Coming at us, they may shake us. And these if questions may tempt us to flee. And some do flee. But some know they shouldn't. All shouldn't. And, and, and people struggle with this and deal with this. But if we stand through it, taking our refuge in the Lord, He will see us through it. And we can trust Him. And we need to trust Him. What is the first thing we do when we face just what we might call a devastating situation? What are we going to do? Oh boy, what are we going to do now? David says, in response to this, this attack from the enemy, he says, the Lord's my refuge. What, what, what then? What, I mean, what, what if I run? What, what about after that? What then? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, there's a short answer in this question. And that is to turn to the Lord. 
to turn to the Lord in times like this. But there's also a, a long answer in this question that you and I can explore tonight. And that is the foundations that are mentioned. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know, there are permanent foundations and there are temporary foundations in life. And, and this could be a sermon series, the more I thought about this, that could just go on and on and on. But I just would like to scratch the surface tonight and you and I share some foundations here this evening. Just a few to get started. Maybe this will go on and on. But we're going to share some permanent foundations. We probably won't have time to go into the temporary foundations in life. But I would like, and I hope, it's my prayer, that we are encouraged by some permanent foundations in life. And we'll start with the Word of God. The Word of God. Jesus says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. I've used that verse Many times with in speaking to people, I, I even had someone tell me their aim is to outlive the Bible. Because if the Bible can die, they're not going to be accountable to it and they will have hope. And so that has been a verse that I have been able to be given by God in a certain time to give. The word of God it's infallible. It's immovable. The Word of God is from God. It is God. If that weren't true, though, what would we do? In thinking about such a permanent foundation we have and appreciating it, think about if we didn't have it. What if the skeptics were right? What if the scientists were right? You know, what, what if the atheists were right? What then? Because what we claim we have from the Word of God is, is the only and true healing from sin. Everybody knows they have sin. And some have conjured up a belief that, well, you don't answer for it because life is just over when you die. And that's it. But we claim our answer from sin in the word of God. Satisfaction for the soul. That's a big problem in this world. People are looking to be satisfied in all the wrong places. And satisfaction for the soul comes from the word of God. It is our reason for desiring to continue to exist. That the word of God is true. What if it weren't true? It would have been better not to be born at all if, if all of this were a dream. If Christianity were a dream, the church weren't real, the, the word of God wasn't real, our creator weren't real, his triune being wasn't real, what would we do? Anyone 
who claims to be a Christian and could continue in life as normal has a huge problem and issue on their hands. I believe it was Vance Havner that made the statement that if God came and, and took his Holy Spirit out of, out of a church, some, out of the churches, some would continue business as usual. And that is a, is a terrible trouble because everything hinges on the word of God being true as a Christian. And let me, let me say this after our mind's gone there for just a minute. It is, it is true. It is a permanent foundation, the word of God is. There's a lot of ifs in this life. But there are no ifs concerning the word of God being real and being true. The word of God is true and it will not be moved. People can get smarter and smarter. People can reject the Lord more and more. But the word of God is going to stand. It is always going to be true. It is not going to be moved. We know this because... We've been made alive by it. We're saved by the word of the Lord, the Bible says. We have been quickened by the word. We have been changed by the word. We know the author of the word and we talk to him every day. As things move and as things come and go in a world that is always changing... Let us be careful not to be like a dog chasing our tail in temporary foundations and things in this world. But let us settle and embrace our permanent foundation of the word of God. Let us cling to that which cannot be moved. May we hold the word of God as tight and as close as we can. Others may reject its inspiration and refuse its promises, but our lives depend on its truth and it being true. It would be better to die right now and the Bible be true than to live to be 110 with life going somewhat smooth with minimal health issues and the Bible not be true. It would be better to suffer one painful blow after another having the truth than to have all things go our way in life but yet the word slip away. And it be something that will not be there and we can't depend on. Think about what our condition would be if we did not have the foundation of the word of God. That should make you and I embrace it just that much more. If God's word could slip from our grip, we don't need to exist. We have no hope. How about this for a foundation? How about the teaching of God? How about doctrinal teaching? What condition would we be in if we hadn't learned faith? 
and experienced faith and have faith and know what it is. How about the teaching of faith? Where would we be if this divine doctrine of the Bible didn't exist? Because we are born enemies of our creator. We are at enmity with God. But we are made right with God by faith. It's, it's faith. By faith, we are forgiven of all of our sins. By faith, we are cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes not anyone's effort or religion for that. It takes faith. Faith. We're justified by faith. And we have peace with God when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We are not some sinners trying to keep up with a perfect Savior in a hopeless situation. That would be a miserable dead-end road if we, in our existence, in our sin nature in Adam, were trying to obtain a holy and a perfect God. How devastating, how miserable would that be? We're not in that fog, though. Because of the teaching of faith, because of believing, because of knowing what this means, we're justified by faith. The only way we can please God is by faith. We amaze Jesus by faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith, Peter says. What if this teaching crumbled And just blew away in the wind. What if it were removed? What if we could lose our peace, our joy, and our hope? We would give up. And we should give up if there's no such thing as faith. If faith could be removed, we might as well just give up. If that foundation could be gone. Because there would be nothing to do. There would be nothing to do to get us right with God. There would be nothing to do for you and I to go to heaven. There would be nothing to do if there weren't faith. There would be nothing to take us to heaven. We could go around and do all the religious work that we possibly could on this earth, but we might as well go sit next to the murderer in the penitentiary who has never believed in God because we would be on an equal playing field with him if there weren't faith, you understand. Because it, faith is the grain of mustard seed. Just enough faith to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the same as the one that has amazing, great faith concerning one being able to go to heaven. We would be, we're we're equal in that area. This blessed doctrinal foundation of faith, look, It's not going to be removed. There's not going to be an eye-opening new revelation that it is not by faith. It is by something else. It is faith. It's found in the permanent word of God. and, And we know this blessed doctrine. 
Whoever has placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and and has faith in His blood, Romans chapter 3 says, is permanently fixed on a permanent foundation. How about these foundations? The Word of God, the teaching of God. How about another foundation? How about the Son of God? John chapter 1 says, the Word was made flesh. Paul says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Peter says, Jesus bare our sins in His own body on the tree. Isaiah says, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes... We are healed. Oh, what a precious Savior that you and I have. You think about everything that comes and goes in this world and affects us. What if the Savior could be removed? What if we didn't have Jesus? If there were no Son of God, there would be no one who has substituted in our place and taken our sins upon him. How about this substitution? How about this glorious son of God who willingly and undeservingly took our place and went to that cross for you and I? Christ's sufferings were not for himself. They were for us. He did that for you and I. He did that for the sinner. He stepped in the place of our sin. He stepped in the place of the penalty that you and I deserve that he did not deserve. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we gather together and we love him. That. That, that's what we were saying in prayer earlier, that, that we love Him. We love Him and we, we praise Him and we worship Him. And we're talking about Him right now from the Word of God. We rejoice in Him. But if the Son of God be removed, then that punishment would be upon us for our sin. If that, if our substitution that we have in Jesus Christ be removed, then there's something for you and I to pay. Think about that foundation if he could be removed. But understand and know, and I know you know, the Son of God can't be removed. Jesus Christ cannot be moved. He shall never Never be removed. He is the everlasting Father. It wouldn't matter to if it wouldn't matter to you if Jesus Christ could be moved. I invite you to be saved tonight. If and and you think about it, if that doesn't matter to you, you need to be saved because Jesus Christ is the life. He is the life of the Christian. He doesn't just give life. He is our life. Paul said he's our life. When Christ who is our life shall appear. Peter called him 
the prince of life. Jesus Christ is our life. And the And if it's no thought to you about whether he could be removed, I hope that you'll become born again. He's our life. His atonement will mean everything to you if you've never trusted in Jesus. If you do trust him, he he will be everything to you. He bore our guilt. I lived with guilt for some 30 years, completely unforgiven. And he bore all of that. And you don't need to go unsaved that long to love that and appreciate and adore Jesus Christ for what he did to take away our sin and to take away our guilt. He suffered our pain when he was on that cross. God forbid we ever water down the gospel of grace or this substitution that we have been blessed with experiencing in the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid we reduce Christ in any way in our minds. Don't get your mind on all the things that are going on in this world and set your Lord and Savior on the sidelines. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Set your affection on things above. Let Jesus Christ have first place in your life. If you are going to advertise yourself online, God forbid you leave Jesus Christ out of that. I'm not much on that. I don't do that. But if you do, let the world know that you're a Christian. There's an old song I heard someone sing in this church one time. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. And that's the most important way anyone can identify themselves. Let this church and all true churches preach substitution by a blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He stepped in the place of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the answer for this world. I love Him tonight. Is that what's on your heart? Are you, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Are you forever thankful of this permanent foundation that you stand on? You can see shaky, uncertain, unjust things in this world. But are you comforted? And do, do you have peace? And do you rejoice evermore in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you can hear me tonight online, he died. On your behalf. He died for you. There's a, there's a simple song that I've heard. Sang a few times. That when he was on the cross. You were on his mind. And our all knowing God. Makes that true. Because he. Shed his blood. On your behalf. And he gives eternal life. As we speak of permanent foundations. He gives eternal life. For the one who will be willing to turn from their sins, trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to be forgiven. Aren't you thankful that these foundations cannot be removed? The foundation of the Word of God, the teaching of God, and the Son of God. And oh, how we would love to go on and on. Jesus cannot be removed. We don't have a song service 
this morning or tonight. But I just want you to consider the, the words to the song, Because He Lives. Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He Lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. And life is worth the living because He lives. Oh, what a blessed foundation we stand on in Him. There are temporary foundations in this world. And they're slipping away. Just as the Word of God lets us know that they are going to slip away. And things are going to get worse. The temporary foundation of things like law and order and justice and morality and decency. Integrity has gone out the window. Fairness all over this world. These foundations are slipping away. And they're going to continue to slip away. Do we, do we get in a rat race? And do we act like a dog chasing our tail in the midst of all of these things that are going to get, get worse and worse? If not, what do we do? What do we do about these things? We have been so encouraged by permanent foundations, but there are these temporary foundations and they really help in the world and they really help to make things right. But what do we do about these things? Verse 4. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. Man, when a preacher looks at something, he looks at it totally different than others do probably. But I see, I see and I hear of these people. And they write against a subject going on in the world. And, and they, they write of a precise judgment upon those people. And at the end of it, they seal it off with, I see you. You say you're doing this, blah, blah. Well, what about this? I, and, and I mean, they are writing as if they are a judge and they are probing the heart of this person. And then the icing on the cake is... I see you. For a preacher or for a child of God to see something like that, you can't help but see where it looks like somebody thinks they're taking the place of God. You know what I say? To somebody who wants to probe that precise judgment and say, I see you. I say, who cares? It's God who sees. It's God who sees these things that matter. God is the judge. He will judge these things. His eyes are beholding. The Lord's in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. 
Do you know what we need to see? We need to see God. We need to say, God, I see you. And I see that you are judge. And I see that you are a perfect judge. And that nothing gets by you. And that one day, it's going to be President Jesus Christ for a thousand years with no politics and perfect leadership and all wrongs being made right. He sees. He sees all. So in a world and a day and time of so much going on that that is cruel that is wrong that that can leave us fearful and in doubt with all uncertainty it fits it fits for you and I to ask the question if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do? Let's just stop that right now with considering these permanent foundations that will never go away. Embrace them. Embrace them. There is joyful life to live even as things get worse and worse because of this foundation of the Word of God, the teaching of God. And the Son of God, our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.